Hello, hello. Hey, up. What's up? What's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, priviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Ah, we have an exceptional show for today with a wonderful guest. British motorcycle racer Maria Costello joins the show. Maria is probably the most prominent woman in motorcycle road racing and the only female motorcycle racer ever to be awarded an MBE. She has achieved unrivaled success in a high-risk world competing on equal terms with men in a sport renowned as the ultimate test for competitor and machine. Maria was the first woman ever to claim a podium finish in a race around the notorious Isle of Man TT course, which is often described as the world's most dangerous racetrack. One of just many impressive accolades she has garnered in a career spanning over 20 years, which is a feat in itself. Throughout that time, she has shown remarkable resilience and determination in the male-dominated world of motorcycle racing, overcoming astonishing injuries, including 24 broken bones, landing multiple podium finishes in railroad racing along the way. She is also set Guinness World Record, been voted Sports Personality of the Year in her native country, was an animated character in a PlayStation video game, and was even a rider double for Reese Witherspoon in a Hollywood movie. Oh, and on top of all that, she's also a published author. One more thing to add to her impressive and simply unrivaled resume. On today's episode, Maria looks back at her experiences on the Isle of Man TT course, and she reflects on why it's such a special event. Maria also chats about the last year and how despite not being able to compete on a track, she has still been able to get some mental reps through technological advancements. Maria also discusses her book, Queen of Bikers, and she retells the hilarious tale of the day she was awarded an MBE and, and how she avoided calamity by doing what she knows best, and that's getting on a motorcycle. For me, this was an unforgettable conversation. She obviously has an unmatched resume, but I was in awe of her passion for what she does. When she was answering the questions, there was a glimmer in her eye. You could see that she was enjoying looking back and reflecting on her experiences in the sport. And it's rare to find someone who is as fiercely passionate about their career as Maria. She has a genuine, deep, profound love for being on a motorbike, for being on a motorbike, whether it be stuck in traffic on the M1 motorway or racing around perilous turns of Isle of Man. She feels at home, and we're incredibly lucky to have had her on the show. Thrilled for everyone to meet her, so let's go ahead and bring on British racer Maria Costello, MBE, and let's learn. You have many, many diverse interests, but cycling has always been front and center in your life. How was it that you first found yourself riding? Well, I didn't get into it really until I was... 1819 and that was uh, on a terrible little Honda Melody which I used as a mode of transport to get me to work. Mm -hmm. I was training as a veterinary nurse, um, lived out in the sticks and needed to get to the local town to my job um, and then moved on to a Yamaha TZR125. So it was it was a mode of transport, it was being independent you know um rather than relying on my dad for lifts or public transport and um gosh I really fell in love with it straight away I think because of that independence with that once you progressed into racing I'm always fascinated because racing requires intense amount of focus during the week before a race are there certain mental health practices you do to make sure that you're in the right frame of mind for a competition so that you can be locked in during a race Yes. Um, so mental focus. I th mm -hmm. A lot of mental focus 
comes from physical training for me. I think physical and mental work together very well. So obviously um, I can't be riding my motorcycle in the same scenarios as I am when I'm racing all the time because I race on real roads. We can't even replicate that when we practice on circuits. It, it's still different. Um, and obviously the costs uh, involved with practicing are quite um, can make it very difficult to get a lot of practicing. So physical training, um, and I've used lots of different things, CrossFit, uh, cycling, mountain biking, um, that really helps with getting my, keeping my brain alive and alert. Um, visualization is something that I use a lot um, in my racing. Um, the Isle of Man's nearly 40 miles long, over 200 corners, but I could sit here and tell you a whole lap. Yeah. So obviously I can visualize that as well before I'm about to compete there, which is very uh, important. Um, other things for focus, I'm, I'm still learning how to meditate and do all those things. I do um, have a hypnotherapist that I've worked with um, for a good half of my career. Um, and he came on board to help me specifically with the sports side of things. Um, but obviously those skills that he's given me have helped in life in general and have really helped me um, as a person um, become a better person um, and, yeah, helped me extend my career because um, when I met him, I was sort of, I'd lost my mojo and I'd been hurt and wasn't enjoying my sport. Was I'd carried on doing it, but I didn't know why. And he helped me get my mojo back. And then I've had a, another 10, 11, 12 years uh, of racing. And uh, hopefully a few more still to come. Yeah. Well, when you remarked about Isle of Man being a long course, but yet you, could, you know the paths and you know the turns and corners, it made me think of when I've talked to other athletes, especially in sliding sports like bobsled, luge, skeleton, they don't have a lot of time on the track either. So you, they use technology and they use videos ahead of time to plan the turns and plan the preparation. How has technology assisted in getting out there when you wouldn't be able to get on the track normally? Yes. So um, I am. You, you can actually choose me as a player on an old PlayStation game. Um, there's now a new one that's come out. Um, but I am terrible at playing them. I know they're a really good tool um, for learning the course um, because um, I've been involved with some of the newcomers that have used it coming to the event. And uh, yeah, hugely valuable. Last year, they even, because the TT was cancelled last year, they even ran a race with some of the top competitors on the PlayStation game. Um, yeah, it, it's, that doesn't work for me because I'm not great at place. My nephew, who's eight, is better than me at working that game. But um, videos and onboard um, laps are hugely valuable. And I'm very lucky that I have some of my own laps that have been videoed. Um, and, for example, so we don't have the TT happening this year, but next year is obviously... Um, we're really hopeful of that and really excited about that. I've got a new passenger who's going 
I'm going to be working with this year with the aim of going to the TT next year, we're going to be using my onboard laps as a sort of training tool for us both. So we can both watch it at the same time and comment and be learning. There's um, a forward facing video, which obviously is makes more sense to me. And then the rear view facing video, which shows the passenger and, and that and her movements. So, um, that stuff is really valuable uh, and particularly at the TT because practice is often very limited in 2019 the weather was so bad I think I know I know of some competitors who had two laps before they went into races which is um crazy well you take pride in being a successful racer in a traditionally male-dominated sport when did you first realize that you could successfully compete against all competitors and with that was there one podium finish that you had that really developed your confidence where you're like you know what this is it I, I can hang here the thing is you don't you don't I guess when I very first started I did see that sort of male dominated sport right I'm gonna have to sort of fight my corner here being because I was often the only girl in the paddock mm-hmm. um but it's 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 evolving it's changing i don't see it as that so much anymore i feel like i'm in a really fortunate position where i'm able to educate people and that's obviously includes my competitors i didn't and i've only ever been female this question always makes me kind of laugh a little bit because i can't compare myself to being a guy it's a tough sport i know full stop and I know that I share a lot of the challenges with the guys. So um, I don't think it's too different. It, it's, um, I just wanted to compete. It didn't really matter. You know, they're just competitors. It's not the gender yeah. that mattered to me. Of course, I have spent a lot of my career highlighting other women in the sport because that's important for bringing more girls into the sport because we need to be visible. We need to be seen as something you can do. Um, I used to do loads of talks in schools and, um, you know, most of these kids had never even come across motorcycle racing, let alone the fact that girls could do it mm-hmm. on equal terms with the guys. And that's what I love about my sport. And I'm fiercely passionate about that in my sport. And then you get the young girls coming up to you at the end of the talk going, oh, I want to be a motorbike racer like you, which is a little bit terrifying. And obviously I did always put in my talks that there are dangers to this sport and I've broken a lot of bones. But um, yeah, um, it's, it, it, it's still tough. It's still a challenge. And, high, you know, the the highs that I've had in the sport obviously keep me going. Mm. And you talk about a podium. I, in 2016, I finished third in the classic TT, um, which I've had other podiums around the TT course before, but this was massive because my hero and, and an absolute legend of the sport, John McGuinness won the race. He's a 23 times TT winner. Um, and on if we were both out there on super bikes i wouldn't be anywhere near him but being on the classic machinery is obviously a much more level playing field for me and you know that meant the world and i 
absolutely remember on the last lap, not only willing my bike to continue and get to the finish because I've been in that position where they break down on the last lap and it breaks your heart. But I was also thinking, I really hope John McGuinness is winning this race. Um, and to share the podium with him was, was massive. To have him turn around to me and say, you deserve to be here that lap time's incredible um by one of your peers and you know somebody who's regarded like i say as a legend in the sport just was massive and um yeah we've we've had a few other i've obviously continued to do that race uh it actually on a it's called a pattern the classic motorcycle that i use it's privately owned by a couple in switzerland they come all the way from switzerland to the isle of man for me to race their bike and um we we tried and tried to sort of beat john again and i had a i think i had a couple of fourths and uh, we've had breakdowns but um yeah i had just some of the best times on that bike and that that podium was definitely a highlight in my career ah that's spectacular you've set several records on the isle of man tt course when i've talked to other athletes They've always said that maybe there's a certain sense of magic or familiarity with a certain course or certain location, even a certain city that helps them succeed and excel in certain races. So for you, did you feel that prior, like maybe familiarity or just some type of extra buzz? Oh, I think, I think just the Isle of Man alone has that. The yeah. Isle of Man, there aren't words in the dictionary to explain <laughs> what you experience mm -hmm. competing, you know, it's a time trial it's not a mass start it's you and your machine it's my favorite place in the world to be just at one with your bike just nothing else you're totally focused or supposed to be totally focused on what you're doing that does get tested at the Isle of Man because obviously well on a classic bike the lap takes 20 odd minutes and you do at least four so but um Oh, the Isle of Man is magic in itself, I think. The, the island's just, it's got all that beautiful history and heritage. And, um, yeah, it's supposed, it's supposed to have all its own mystery in itself, I think. With, they talk about um, spirits of the mountain and things like this. So, but, uh, yeah, that place. Don't get me wrong, have a love-hate of broken quite a few bones there and lost friends there. But ultimately I feel so fortunate to be able to race there. Well, I haven't been there yet, but I can tell just by looking in your eye, it's like you're daydreaming as we speak right now, just with the talking about <laughs> yeah. it. So I can tell your fondness for it. What is W O A M women on a motorcycle and what inspired its creation? Oh yes. It's, uh, I have to admit it's fallen a little by the wayside. Um, it was um, way back, um, probably six, seven years ago now. Um, social media was getting stronger and stronger and you're connected to your fans and supporters and, and everybody by social media. And that, that was really growing. And I, I, through that, I was getting a lot of messages, particularly from women, saying, Maria, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have taken my bike license. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have tried bike racing. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have done a track day. Or just thank you, or 
and this was uh, it was um, difficult to take in um, but I realized that I had a sort of position or a role to play and wanted to give something back obviously this is after I've been awarded an MBE which had already got me thinking about this whole giving back um, part of my career and um, I decided to set up Woman on a Motorcycle as just a social media um, Facebook group that anyone can join and basically interact and share our passion and share advice have no question that you can't ask you know just be open and free and help each other that that was the idea of it and also from that to set up um, women only track days which I got a little bit of stick for because people were saying we don't need women only track days you know surely you know it should be mixed and of course like I said I'm fiercely protective of the fact that in my sport we compete on equal terms so it kind of looked like I was going back on what I was saying yeah. but this is this is different as in it's grassroots it's track days it's not necessarily it wasn't about competition it was using the track as a place um, to build um, confidence mm. because that's one thing that we all you know have well I even I have to work on it all the time still now I knew how valuable it was and um, anyway they they were great they never had I mean they came close to racing regards enjoyment and you know they made me feel so amazing because of the feedback and the amazing days we had of just women in a very unintimidating environment again it wasn't super structured it wasn't about racing it was just using that little bit of tarmac where we could safely try new riding positions or you know and just ride together yeah that 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 was a big part of woman on a motorcycle and i haven't been able to make any happen for a couple of years it's it's quite yeah. difficult financially and uh, i'm you know, I'm still looking for backing and to make it happen again in the future because they were so great. Well, in that, you mentioned being awarded the MBE and you were awarded that in 2009. When you look back on that experience, what are your favorite memories from that? There, it was, man, this was a huge day, partly because I nearly messed it up big yeah, time. Yeah. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm really tight with my pennies and uh, I uh, didn't book a hotel like any normal person would in London because you had to be at Buckingham Palace really early. I decided that we'd get up early and I'd drive down in the morning and of course we got stuck in traffic and uh, my mum and dad are sat in the back of the car, my sister sat in the front whispering to me saying you're going to miss the most important day of your life. And I was like, yeah, this is a huge mistake. I've really messed up here. Thankfully, have a friend who, Damien, who worked for uh, Virgin Limo Bikes at the time. And he, um, I, mess I called him, we'd, we'd pulled over. I mean, we were stationary anyway. The traffic was that bad. And I, he said, aren't you supposed to be at the palace this morning? I said, this is the issue, Damien. He said, look, let me ring my boss. So he came and picked me up and took me on a motorcycle in my little black dress. 
and I left my mum crying her eyes out because I've never I've, I've never got married or you know I've never given her a big day in that respect so this was that big day for her and after all I've put her through she really deserved it and I'd only gone and messed it up again anyway left them on the side of the road we could whiz through the traffic obviously being on a motorbike and um, arrived at the palace um, there's two police on the gate I'm on the phone to my sister who's trying to direct my dad who's driving the car um, they've got lost and um, they were like, you can't go into the palace on your phone, like explain the story. And they're like, look, we'll take care of that. You need to go through, you're running late. So we get briefed and um, told how to do all your curtsies, etc. And it wasn't until um, we got walked through the back of the ballroom, which is where like the audience sit, if you like. And I spotted that my family had made it yeah. and the police had let them park on the front lawn of Buckingham Palace because that's <laughs> the only way they could get them in on time. And I was hugely relieved because it was such a special day. Um, yeah, for, for my family, because they've just been wondering what on earth their daughter's been doing all these years messing about <laughs> with motorbikes. And uh, yeah, thank you, royal family, for recognising me because it helped my family understand what I've been doing. Well, and I read that even that goes one step further with the, the first question that was asked to you. Oh, yes. And it truly was his first question. It was Prince Charles who was um, presenting the MBE and he said, did you arrive by motorcycle? To which I could <laughs> reply, yes, actually I did. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you could tell by the way my hair was messed up. I, I love that part of the story. I saw that on your website. Yeah. I love that. Your autobiography, Queen of Bikers. I, I'm curious, did you enjoy the writing process? And, and while you were doing it, what was it that you wanted readers to know about you? Yeah, do you know, that was a massive process in yeah. lots of ways. Um, really grateful to Steve Pitts for suggesting it and helping me um, co-write it. And um, he was really the driving force behind it all because it was very hard in stages. I don't know about you, but my memory is pretty shocking and I'd forgotten big chunks of my life and then to relive them when obviously you've hidden them in the back of your mind for a reason, that some of it was quite painful. Mm. They, I think this is where the word cathartic comes in, doesn't it? And it, you know, it gave me a lot in return. What was really staggering was the fact that we had put, a, Steve had put so much work in and we practically got to the point of publishing. And I turned around and said, I didn't want to publish it. I didn't want it printed because there was a tiny bit of negativity on social media and, um, it was just putting me off. I suddenly didn't want anyone to know about this part of my life. The book is obviously centered around racing because that part of my life was really centered around racing. It was pretty unbalanced actually, you know? Um, and so it's, it's, yeah, it's my life in racing. And, I, but I just suddenly didn't want anyone to know. And I, I got scared and Steve was, so good he said that's fine we won't publish it even after all the time and effort he put in 
and I, I don't know exactly what it was. I think, again, it, it was this learning curve. I learned how to grow a slightly thicker skin, deal with the few haters that you're always going to have in life, on social media or wherever, and to deal with them and look further than them and see all the amazing people that support me and you know realize that they outweigh the negative and um did publish it and i'm really grateful again that was something i did just before my dad died and um yeah so really glad that we published it 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 only so many were printed and i've recently i did a special short run of a hardback copy only 200 books and they've pretty much all sold um just as a real special edition i didn't i wasn't anticipating how well this would be received because they a hundred sold out in a less than half a day and I was so shocked by that that we extended it to 200 and there will be no more printed of that exact book that hard copy but I think I'm now going to look into reprinting as a paperback because um yeah just it'd be great to have that out there and let more people have the opportunity to read that um, and then we need to work on the second half of it because there's another 10 years to add to that, which we have started. Um, it's just a much harder process this time because my diary writing isn't as good mm -hmm. because of social media. I swapped more to, okay. yeah, to, mm -hmm. you know, putting things on my private social media rather than in a diary. Um, so it's going to be a little bit trickier, I think, with the bad memory, so many bangs on the head and all that. But um, hopefully we'll we'll get there. I'm doing it again with Steve. He's got the patience of a saint. So <laughs> but hopefully in the future that new book will be out there as well as the paperback. Yeah, and maybe you maybe you were writing less in the diary, but at least we have all the pictures, probably a lot more pictures now that can maybe refresh your memory because I know that probably was something early in the career there's a lot less of maybe maybe very true very true i mean i end up going down rabbit holes though when i start looking at photos yeah. i love photos yeah. i love the you know what they give you you know it's more than a picture isn't it it takes you back to that moment and um, oh i can get lost hours looking yeah. at photographs yeah very turbulent chaotic year during that what what do you think has been the biggest thing that you've learned it doesn't even have to be about racing to on and off the track what do you think is the biggest lesson you've learned over the last year yeah that's quite a question i think i was already on on my way to sort of realizing this but family mm -hmm. um because i almost lost my mum and it suddenly made me have to be an adult and um, repay her, really. Um, it was role reversal, you know, living in my bubble as a motorcycle racer. Um, suddenly got popped and it was all about my mum. And then even... Um, even though we're in this really tricky year last year, I had some of the best times with my family, just the best times <laughs> because for once I was around 
I wasn't off racing. And uh, I had a summer holiday with my, my sister and my nephew. And I, I think I'll just treasure that as one of the best times ever. So what's next? What future goals, projects, plans do you have for, for 2021? Yes. So we've already, um, unfortunately, had the news that the TTs cancelled for this mm -hmm. year, which is difficult to absorb but anyway we've kind of got over that um, shock to the system because it just means everything thankfully because i sort of have um connections with the organizers you know we, there is talk of the tt happening next year so that's what this year is going to be used as just um getting everything in place because last year was such a non-event so this is the year to do those big modifications to my sidecar. Um, I'm working, as I said, with a new passenger. So it gives us more time to get used to each other. Okay, so that's on short circuits, but that will be really valuable on the sidecar. Doesn't for me on the solo. I, I you know, some of I've even heard some of the top TT riders talking about, oh gosh, we're all going to need novice bibs when we go back there because we've had two years off. But obviously, 20 years of competing there um, helps. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to get great at the PlayStation game, but the onboards are going to help. And I'm sure we'll be fine on that. But it'll be really valuable to get back out on the sidecar I didn't do any solo racing last year, so I'm going to have to go back to short circuit racing on two wheels. And um, yeah, but it's again, the TT's the end goal. Be great to have some road racing back next year. And um, yeah, just get these modifications in place and turn, turn some wheels, you know, and yeah. I mean, I only did a tiny amount last year and I remember being quite nervous and thinking, oh, I'll just take it easy because I don't want to get into any trouble or, you know, have any mishaps. But it wasn't like that at all. It was just, yes, straight into it. And actually did a, a PB at this circuit, um, which was pretty, even I, I have to say, pretty impressive because I don't go there very often. You know, we'd not we'd not done any testing. We had a few teething problems with the side cut, and then we did a PB. I was like, "That'll do. That'll do for last year." So, yeah, the um, competitive spirit's still there. Turn some wheels and maybe write some pages. That's a great perfect. I know, and <laughs> I find that, that yeah, I. Steve needs to keep on at me and I'll, yeah, I've got no excuses, have I? I need to sit down and get some more of that done. Well, how can people stay up to date in following you along your incredible journey during 2021? Yeah, I, I'm all over social media. Um, I am trying to get a website, new website finished because my existing ones are out, out of date. But yeah, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, yeah, usual places. Lovely. So this was wonderful. No this was problem. this was so much fun. This, I loved it. I hope so. Thank you very much. I, I enjoy, you know what I really enjoyed? I enjoyed when you were digging back into your memories and especially when you talk about the Isle of Man, just seeing the the gleam in your eye, you know, you were really uh it was it was fun watching you. This was fun. It was great. Thank you. I mean and thank you for 
you know, letting me take myself there. Thank you for today. I hope we chat again, but this was lovely. Yes. Hope to chat again too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Maria. Please give her a follow on social media. And for more information, check out CostelloRacing.com. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento.